Welcome back to another episode of The Final Call on Radio Massasoit, episode number 56. As always, Andrew Fantuccio, Ben Mamaritis, and the man with the easiest name in the Zoom, Mr. Jason Snow. Coming up on this episode, we will get into the major moves made in the NBA last night. We will talk about some potential moves we would like to see coming up in the future. But first, as always, it's Tuesday. Let's start with NFL Weekly Wrap-Up, Week 10. Jason, let's start with you. Who's your team of the week? Team of the week. This one is, I kind of teetered on this one because as much as I love what the Dolphins are doing, the Chargers, yeah, they've had a little bit of a losing streak. So I don't know if that's a really big win, but I'll give it to the Bucks. And I feel like this is an award I give them probably week after week after week now, um, except last week when they were the dumpster fire. But when they beat a Carolina team, I know it was on the road, but to come back and face the adversity that, that they did, and as well as Carolina played in Kansas City the week before, I feel like that was a good win. Ronald Jones was in, um, in contention for my good noodle, 192 yards on the ground. He really, we talk a lot about their receivers. We talk a lot about um, their defense, but for Ronald Jones, I mean, they brought in um, Leonard Fournette at the beginning of the season. You know, was Ronald Jones' position in flux? Who knows? Um, but he definitely solidified it um, last weekend, and honestly, um, Bucks showed a layer of offense that I didn't know that they completely had. So for them to show what they did on the running game, I think it added a layer, and they're my team of the week. Jason, I'm right there with you. Tampa Bay is my team of the week, too. Uh, a complete turnaround from the performance against New Orleans. And we all know Tampa Bay set a record low for rushing attempts in that game with only five. Uh, this week against Carolina, the Bucks gave the ball to Ronald Jones early, and he jump-started that offense. 23 carries, 192 yards, including a score on an epic 98-yard run from their own two-yard line. Uh, doing that, it allowed Tampa Bay to do what they want, let Tom Brady air it out. You know, I think they were way too eager against New Orleans to use all their shiny new toys, to use Antonio Brown to really start chucking all over the place. But if you can't move the ball on the ground first, defenses can play back. They can prevent those deep throws. you got to start small. I think – Tampa Bay was just way, way too excited to show off how much horsepower they had. We get it. You got horsepower. You're, you got a great engine. But if you can't even get the key in the ignition, you, you can't even start the car, it's just going to sit there. So a much better approach. Uh, great job, by this, I, I think, by the Tampa Bay coaching staff of getting this team prepared. It, considering, especially the night before, they were stuck on, their tar, on the uh, tarmac at the Tampa Bay airport for seven hours. So I think that just leads into another little bit of adversity they had to deal with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my team of the week, great turnaround. Great, great way to answer after a terrible performance against New Orleans a week ago. We're three for three, folks. Oh, boy. Tampa Bay is my team of the week. And that is the most Tampa Bay thing of all time because this team, what have they been this season? When, when they suck, they suck bad. And then when they're really good, they're like, they look like the best team in the league. You look at them against Carolina – they put up over 40 points. Jason, you said Ronald Jones. I mean, hello, Ronald Jones was looking like he looked incredible. A 98-yard touchdown, only the fourth player to have a run that long in NFL history. Um, they ran it more than four times. <laughs> Good for them. They finally figured that out. And Tom Brady, what, what does Tom Brady do? Every single time you count him out. What does he do every time? He played like crap last week, and I said, I said, look, next week he's going to go off, and he's going he's gonna to be slinging it, and he's going to be getting everyone involved. And what happened? Over 300 yards on the day, multiple touchdowns. That's just what he does. And their defense looked pretty good too. I mean, I know Teddy Bridgewater got injured towards the end of the game, but 
you know, they they held him in check. And that the, listen, those Panthers receivers are pretty for real mm-hmm. to to say the least. I mean, they, they're they're pretty good. They're not a quarter so, shaker head at. Oh no, absolutely not. I mean, they're they're yeah, they're pretty good. So yeah, I I mean, I like Tampa Bay in this game. Um, they were impressive, and also Gronk had a pretty good play too. So yeah, I mean, Tampa Bay is my team of the week. Three for three on dumpster fire last week for Tampa Bay. Now they're three for three on team of the week. All right, let's see if we can keep the streak going. Isn't that weird? I mean, hey, I mean, when you could turn around again, complete one eighty. That's complete one eighty. So so weird. And that that's the mark of a good team. You can get back up after you get your your uh, teeth kicked in. It's just crazy how they go from being they look like the worst team in the league to the best team in the league. Week after week. It, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't know. All right, Ben, who's your good noodle? For the first time on this show, I know you guys have done this, but this is the first time I've done it. I'm splitting the award, and it's going to go to Kyla Murray and DeAndre Hopkins for, you know, they had a good game against the, the Bills. You know, that was a good game. Gutsy win. But can we just talk about this, Hale Murray? Kyler Murray rolls out to his left, which in football, that's wicked hard to do if you're a right-handed quarterback when you roll out to your left. Throws a prayer up. He can barely see over the defense as it is because he's like 4'11". He throws it over the defense. And DeAndre Hopkins is sitting there in a sea of Bills players. I think there was three around him, including Trey White, Andrew, your your boy, who is playing like one of the two best of the, corners and two of the guys on my fantasy team were part of that Micah Hyde yep, and Micah Hyde too yep so it was exactly. like making me look oh great guys thanks and out of nowhere rising above the sea of Bills players is DeAndre Hopkins who is playing like the best receiver in football he's probably in contention for the best or for offensive player of the year if we're gonna be honest but that, to me, was the best play this season. That, that was I, – I thought the Cardinals were done. I thought Josh Allen drove it down and threw a touchdown pass to Stephon Diggs to seal the game. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, Cardinals lose it, you know, whatever. But, no, DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler Murray are my two good noodles, and they're impressive. Kyler Murray also had two rushing touchdowns, and he's on pace to have the first 4,000-yard season with a 1,000-yard rushing season. So – the the guy's impressive, but they're both very impressive. I love them both, you know. So yeah, both of them are my good noodle. I'm a good noodle. I'm a good noodle. Jason, before I throw it over to you, I, I want to ask this question, Ben. I'm assuming, and Jason, you can answer this question as well. I'm assuming you guys saw the uh, the comparison online of that play, the Hopkins Hail Mary, to one of uh, Calvin Johnson a few years ago. Yes. Which one did you guys think was better? <sighs> that's that's really tough. This one was really good. The one with DeAndre Hopkins was one of the best. That was the one with Hopkins was better than the one with Richard Rodgers against the Lions a few years ago, in my opinion. But the Calvin Johnson one, I don't. That, that's very close. I, I don't think know. I'm gonna lean Calvin Johnson. But Jay, before you explain yeah. why, Jason, what's your pick? I might. You know, they're both really impressive, and they're both like totally sick all-time plays. But yeah, <laughs> when you sky over three people though and i think i might have a little emotional attachment to the hopkins one just because i saw it live i've Mm -hmm. never like jumped out of my seat this year out of excitement and mainly hold on uh, i think i told ben this 
that that one really that game really ripped my heart out because in my <laughs> <Yep>. weekly picks, <laughs> I was I I was staring down the gun of zero and four, and it was Cardinals minus two and a half, and I was like, oh great, Buffalo's going to spoil this one for me. Arizona goes down, makes that play, and I was like ballistic because I was like, yes, I finally, you know, I got one, let's go. And then they didn't kick the field goal because it, like, obviously it could have gotten blocked. So they won by two, which didn't cover, so I still lost. So a little, little heartbreaking <laughs> for me, but you know what? It was still a highlight and still one that uh, I'm glad to uh, have seen live. Yeah, I got to lean Calvin Johnson. I mean, as great of a play as it was by DeAndre Hopkins to get up and get that ball, I mean, Calvin Johnson literally jumped over three men. Mm-hmm. I feel like DeAndre, like he was just kind of in the right spot, the exact perfect spot. No, Megatron went up and got that ball. Yeah. There was no one taking that away from him. It was very close, though. I mean, that Hopkins play was crazy. It was I'm, I'm not trying to take away from it at yeah. all. Jason, who's your good noodle? Ben, uh, let me just say this. Uh, you're the worst because you took exactly what I was going to do. Um, <laughs> I was going to split it between them. Um, so now I'm – you know what? I'm not going to do that. I'm going to switch my tone here. On the fly. On the fly. This is all made up here. I'm going to show some love to a guy that I've been kind of critical all year long. And it's of my beloved Colts, a team that I've been, you know, a bandwagon of. Starting the bandwagon, actually, because, you know, I started this hype in the offseason. But I've been hawking them all year long. How about Phillip Rivers? How about Phillip Rivers as my good noodle? His best game of the year by far, 29 to 39, 308 yards, a touchdown, got some real good help from Naheem, uh, Naheem Hines, and uh, outdueled the great Ryan Tannehill, who's worth every penny of that. And uh, I've been saying for a while that Indy is a quarterback away from real contention. If, if Philip Rivers, that game of the year, man, I mean, he outdueled Tennessee in Tennessee and uh, totally squashed them and, and doubled them up. So I'll give it to Philip Rivers, honorary good noodle of the week. But my real good noodle was DeAndre. I'm a good noodle. I'm a good noodle. I like that pick as well. I had a feeling you'd both go with Hopkins and, you, and uh, Murray. I had a feeling you'd do that. So I'm going to go with my good noodle. And I'm not changing. This is who I originally had. I'm going to go with someone who was in Philip Rivers' draft class. I'm going to go with Ben Roethlisberger as my good noodle. Ooh. I feel like the Pittsburgh Steelers have been like the least talked about undefeated team in NFL history. And at the same time, Ben Roethlisberger has quietly been one of the best quarterbacks in football this season and is likely a candidate for the comeback player of the year award and might also get some MVP votes mm-hmm. on Sunday against the Bengals. Roethlisberger, 27 to 46, 333 yards, four touchdowns. Vintage Roethlisberger. I've spoken a lot about the Steelers defense this year. But Big Ben is a big reason why they're 9-0 right now, and they are running away with the AFC, with the, uh, AFC North. So Ben Roethlisberger is my good noodle. I'm a good noodle! I'm a good noodle! Good I like pick. that. Underrated. I think, yeah, I think, I think he's, he's the front runner right now for me for comeback player of the year. Oh, yeah. I mean, he, it, unless Alex Smith – I mean, and again, just based off what Alex Smith went through, all yeah. that guy has to do is have like a couple good performances, and he has the deal, the uh, the award sealed. But if we're if we're gonna go with it based off their performance, I mean, it's Roethlisberger. Exactly. Yeah. That's it, for me. It was Alex like, Smith, Cam Newton, or Smith would be the narrative pick. But exactly. But like Roethlisberger is just outplaying both of them. All right. Not close. As, that brings me to my dumpster fire of the week, and Uh-oh. yikes, the Chicago Bears offense. I, the Chicago Bears offense has been weighing the team down 
all season long, and it was on full display last night against the Vikings on Monday Night Football. And I can't believe I'm saying this, but benching Mitchell Trubisky might have been the worst possible decision for this team. Nick Foles has not been good, and it still baffles me that this is the same guy who shredded the Patriots in Super Bowl 52. It's the same guy. The play calling has been bad. The execution by the players has been bad. And I feel the most for the defense who's playing at a championship caliber level. Number three defense in the NFL. But that doesn't matter when the offense ranks 31st in each of these categories. They rank 31st in points per game, points per drive, yards per game, yards per play, first downs per game, third down percentage, average drive distance, and offensive efficiency. The only team worse than the Bears in those categories is the Jets. Abysmal. <laughs> Absolutely abysmal. Dumpster fire. Dumpster fire Chicago Bears offense. You guys are really keeping me on, on my toes today because, uh, Andrew, once again, you, you stole my pick. Mine too. Um, so, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a little bit different here. Eagles. Come on, man. <laughs> I had a couple in the running. Come on, but man. Is, Eagles was another one I thought of. I was going to lead off my take with e- Philadelphia. You're, you're lucky the Bears played so bad last night. Um, but you know what? Let's go off on the Eagles. I was expecting them to win the NFC East. I guess maybe sort of halfway it's kind of possible still, even how terrible they are. 3-5-1. Um, and one. Oh, Carson Wentz, disaster. He left 27 points to a Giants team without Saquon Barkley. And I know the Giants played, uh, played well against the Bucks, and that was on um, Monday Night Football as well. But that offense should not, they should not sniff anywhere near 27 points against a Philly defense who has Fletcher Cox, Malik Jackson. Like, this is a decent Philly defense on paper, or so we thought. Um, but to lose that way, it wasn't... I don't know. I just feel... The Eagles are so like half-hearted in it right now. And it's just, I don't know. I don't really, when I look at Philadelphia, like on the national slate of games, I'm like, oh, that'll be a good game. You know, Philly might hang in there. But nowadays it's just like, I don't know. I, I, I don't get the same vibe as I used to. So Philly's my worst of the week for losing by double digits to a Giants team that is really unassuming. Yeah, Andrew, uh, we're agreeing a lot this episode <laughs> because I had the Bears offense as my dumpster fire, but I might, I'm, I think I'm going to switch it up here just to be a little different. And I'm going to pick a team that played against my team on Sunday Night Football in primetime, the Baltimore Ravens. Andrew's, wow, Andrew's, no way. Andrew's wow. shocked. You guys are shocked by this. Explain. Wow. Right, so before Explain. you go on, like this is – Revolutionary. Ben's gonna say something bad about Lamar Jackson, the Baltimore. Whoa, 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 whoa! I said the Ravens. I'm just not Lamar. Okay, all right, all right, all right. Take it easy. Take it easy. No, but uh, listen. First of all, let me just say about the Bears really quick. I don't know if Nick Foles is the problem because Mitch Trubisky would be just as bad. I think it's the offense as a whole, and that defense is championship caliber. So that they irritate me, but. To go with Lamar, not Lamar, to go with the Ravens here, you're in Foxborough against a team that barely beat the Jets, the worst team in the league. Um, I know it was raining, but like the bad snaps, 
the multiple bad snaps, uh, the weird play calling, like lining up Mark Ingram in the backfield to like try and throw off the defense. Like what, what are we doing? It was just a not, it was not a good day for the Ravens. They put up 17 points against a broken new England defense. And I got to give credit to, you know, to Cam Newton and the Patriots for going out there against a pretty good defense and showing up. But the Ravens just kind of fell flat to me. And I, I know they're going to say, oh, it was raining and the ball was wet and all this baloney. Okay. We see teams going to Foxborough in the rain all the time and perform well. So I just think that was bad preparation on the Ravens part. So by default here, I'm going to go with the Ravens for my dumpster fire. I mean, I had a lot of teams I was considering. I mean, I considered the Eagles. I considered Russell Wilson. I considered the Chargers. The Baltimore Ravens weren't even on my radar. Why? They just, I felt like, you know what? You're going into Foxborough in the rain. I don't know. I, I think Belichick was ready for it this time after a bad performance against Baltimore last year on Sunday night. I think, again, after seeing, after. A year of seeing Lamar on film, I think he's really come back down to earth. So I wasn't really ready to put my dumpster fire on that week. Well, listen, the Bears Bears were my real one. I know, but my (laughs) point is, like, I didn't even consider Baltimore. I just had them. I had, the like, going into this game, I thought Baltimore was going to blow the doors off New England. But go ahead, Jason. I mean – can I start a conspiracy th- uh, theory real quick? I think we should investigate uh, Weathergate because it was fine when the Patriots had the ball, but all of a sudden that final drive, Belichick turned the switch on and you know NBC couldn't really broadcast the game like the game was blurry. Lamar all of a sudden couldn't see. His center could barely snap it. I mean, they went through some adversity and I, I think Belichick was a part of it. I really do. Yeah, the Gillette Stadium wind machine was on. <laughs> yep, they turn on the fans. Bill Belichick controls the weather. That's that's the new tinfoil hat theory. Breaking here on the news. Final call. Yep. I think so. Takeaways right. draft picks. Coming up next on the final call, some big moves in the NBA yesterday. Chris Paul to the Suns. Uh, Drew Holiday to the Bucks. Coming up next here on the final call. Some major moves. In the NBA yesterday. Welcome back to the final call on Radio Massasoit. This segment is brought to you by NewEnglandSportsUnited.com, written by the one and only Jason Snow. NewEnglandSportsUnited.com, written for New England. Say it, everyone. A great, oh, great publication. Great publication. <laughs> Absolutely. It truly is. It truly is. <laughs> so, again, major moves in the NBA yesterday. We'll start off with the one that kicked off the day. Chris Paul traded to the Phoenix Suns. Chris Paul sent to Phoenix along with Abdel Nader in exchange for Kelly Oubre, Ricky Rubio, Ty Jerome, Jalen LeCue, and a 2022 first-round pick. Jason, what's your opinion on the, on the move? Good for both sides. I like it. Um, for, for Phoenix, they finally want to get into the playoffs. They you know, missed the playoffs barely. I mean, they still went 8-0 in the bubble and still missed it. That, that tells you all you need to know about how they, they perform in the regular season. But for them, they need, a, they need a floor general. They need an alpha in that room. They need a big-time veteran presence, and I think that's what they got. Um, I think the biggest thing – Chris Paul was like, I want to go to a contender. Phoenix isn't quite there yet, but I think the biggest – 
aspect of the move is head coach Monty Williams. Chris Paul played for Monty Williams in New Orleans. That's honestly when he had his best days. So honestly, I like it as a culture change um, from perennially a, a bottom feeder in the league to hopefully one that can maybe, I mean, we'll dig into this as the NBA season draws closer, but maybe like a six, seven, eight seed in, in the West. I mean, we'll see. But for OKC, I like what they got. I mean, you could make the argument Phoenix overpaid. Um, Kelly Oubre is, is really good. Um, Ricky Rubio is also one of those culture guys that, you know, he's not the greatest point guard, but he's he's a guy that can certainly get the job done. He'll probably get flipped um, to a contender in, in the next few days. But they, have, I've read something, they have 17 first round picks until 2027 or something like that. It like leads the league. So for them to get that much draft capital for a guy that, changed the tide in OKC. I mean, we were expecting them to be one of the worst in the league. They got them to the playoffs. So OKC is going to tear it down and they got a good haul for a guy that they weren't planning on having for the long haul anyway. So I like it for both sides. I really do. Yeah. uh, For me, this was a huge move for OKC because you get an aging superstar out of there and you get back, you know, a ton of assets. And you look at the picks that, OKC has in the future. I, I lost count how many firsts they have. They have a ton of first round picks. Yeah. Like from now until, you know, the next few years. So we'll be gray and wrinkled. It, yeah. They're going to be, they're going to be very, they're going to be good for the future. But for the Suns, I like this a lot. I think you're right, Jason. They need someone in there who can be a leader, who can kind of get the ball rolling, get them back on the tracks. Devin Booker is a young up and coming star, one of the, you know, more versatile scorers in the league. Um, DeAndre Ayton is a legitimate center who can rebound as long as he, you know, is isn't using PEDs. Um, so I like the Suns. And yeah, they did go eight and zero in the bubble. They were playing really well. I think they could kind of get something going, but the Western Conference is that's a tough conference. I mean, you're still going to have to go through the Lakers. No one really knows what the Clippers are, but the Nuggets are going to be there. The Jazz. Golden State's um, coming back. Golden Portland State's coming up. back. Portland yeah. looks good. So, yeah, I mean, maybe maybe a seven or eight seed. I don't see much more than that. But I think this was more – I'm going to lean more to the benefit of OKC here because they got the aging superstar out of there. And they got a, a bevy of new assets. Yeah, you know, I kind of agree with you. I, I Honestly, I didn't have too much of an opinion on this trade, but kind of listening to you guys talk, I think, Ben, you just made an excellent point. You know, as much as this improves Phoenix, I mean, in the short-term future, going forward, look, I mean, what? how many did you say, Jason? 17 first-round picks mm-hmm. until 2027? That's insane. Yep. And now you get Kelly Oubre, who you can flip from probably more picks or another asset at least. I love the move for OKC. I do wonder. I mean, I, I like Chris Paul. I think he'll do well in Phoenix. Do you guys think it's possible, though, that it's going to take away from some of the development of Devin Booker? Like, I know, like, the two of them should work together, but don't you want Devin Booker to have the ball in his hands more, right? Like, you kind of want him to have the most touches and stuff like that. I don't think that Chris Paul is going to be an issue, you know, chemistry-wise. I just feel like... Wouldn't you want to get more of a B plus than an A to put next to Devin Booker and let Devin Booker really be the shining star of the Phoenix Suns? Short answer, no, because I think this is going to help Devin Booker a whole lot because you're getting a veteran 
who can come in here and show him the ropes a little bit. And Chris Paul, I'm sorry, is not going to be running that offense. He's not going to have the ball most of the time. If he does have the ball, he's going to be passing it. That's his bread and butter. And he's going to be getting Devin Booker wide open. Chris Paul isn't going to be the guy who's, you know, ISO James Harden style scoring. That's not his, that's not his thing. He's going to be kind of that point guard, like a true point guard who navigates the offense from the top of the key at the three point line and just kind of says, all right, he tells everyone where to go. He's get listen, I think Devin Booker is going to grow exponentially under Chris Paul. I really do. To answer your question, Andrew, do they want Booker handling the ball primarily? Well, yeah, but that's what they've been doing and it hasn't worked at all. Um, So I think, you know, Devin has developed to as much of a, like there might be a solid chance. Like this is, I think, you know, Devin has great potential, but there might be an argument to be made. This is the best we're going to see a Devin 70 point game, you know, 26, 27, 28 points per game. Like, how much better can you be? Um, so, you know, Phoenix wants to promote their star. Devin Booker has been one of the most underrated uh, guys at that position. And the only way to do that is to get finally to the playoffs. And there's never, there's one moment from the Sun season this past year that really stuck out to me. And that was, I think it was after they got eliminated from the bubble and they got, they went eight and no, obviously. And Monty Williams brought the whole team together and, and was like, you know what? We're building something here. We're building something here. And he pointed at Devin Booker, who was way over there, and was like, you've been through a lot. You, you, you've carried this team, and it hasn't worked out. We're going to get you a guy, essentially. So, you know, to give up what they did, I mean, Kelly Oubre is a nice piece, but, you know, I like the move. I really do. And I, I think yeah. I heard a lot of people say, like, I hope Devin Booker is ready to get yelled at this year um, by Chris <laughs> Paul. Um, Honestly, I, I hope he's ready for it because that's what it kind of takes to win. Um, it's kind of like we talk about this a lot on the show. Would you rather score 40 or would you rather win titles? Yep. Would you rather score 40 or would you rather get in the playoffs for Devin Booker? I think Devin would rather get to the playoffs and, and kind of lower his point total to maybe like a 23-24. But that might lead to wins in the long haul. So I think, it, I think it's worth it for Phoenix to get their star on the big stage to the NBA playoffs. Excellent point. Excellent point, Jason. But that was not the biggest move. Guys, at 11.30 last night, I was just about to go to bed. I had my jammies on. <laughs> and I, I brushed my teeth. I was just about to tuck myself in. You tuck yourself in, dude? I, tuck dude, I have someone in. do that for me, bro. <laughs> <laughs> dude, I got to get snug, man. With a, with, his, with a bottle of, or with a cup of warm milk. and uh... Yeah. Anyway, continue. I'm sorry. Back to my story. I was just about, my head was just about to hit the pillow, and then I got a notification. And I made the fatal mistake of looking at a Woj bomb at 11.30 at night because the Milwaukee Bucks had acquired Drew Holiday for Eric Bledsoe, George Hill, in three first-round draft picks. And not too long after that, they make another move with the Sacramento Kings, getting Bogdan Bogdanovich, for Dante DiVincenzo and Ersan Ilyasova. Guys, what are your thoughts on these moves by the Bucs, and what does it signal to you about the Bucs' motives heading into the season? There's an old saying, activity isn't productivity. And I think Drew Holiday was, once upon a time, 
Why are you laughing at me, Andrew? <laughs> um, I'm telling uh, old folk stories here. I'm just thinking about um, to tuck yourself in. Think so. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so as I was saying, um, once upon a time, Drew Holiday was one of the most underrated players in the NBA. Now, suddenly, he's one of the most overrated players in the NBA. And this doesn't solve Milwaukee's problem whatsoever. They get rid of Eric Bledsoe, who they wanted to move off. George Hill, who, who's a good veteran in, in key spots. And then three first-round picks and two pick swaps. What, Andrew, you sent me this. The Lakers, the Pelicans got as much for Drew Holiday as they did for Anthony Davis, essentially. Come on, man. And, and stylistically, I think it makes them marginally better. I mean, going back a few weeks when we were discussing if Giannis was going to stay or not, we were like, well, yeah, he needs, he needs another shot creator. Drew Holiday's not necessarily a shot creator. I mean, he's a better version of Eric Bledsoe, but he doesn't solve your problems. He's one of the best uh, perimeter defenders in the league. Uh, Damian Lillard um, validated that, but he doesn't solve your problems. And you mortgage your whole future for a guy who's a B, B-plus player in the NBA. Like, this doesn't make Milwaukee much better. I like the Bogdanovich move, but you gave up on Dante DiVincenzo a little early. I think he has potential, but this is kind of the desperation a team that wants to keep their superstar has and the desperation they feel that they need to make. Um, Giannis off on these moves. He likes them, but I think they paid too much for a guy who makes them a little better at best. I don't know. I don't, I don't like it. I like, like Drew Holiday is a good player, but I don't think it solves their problems to the point where like, Oh, they're a lock for the NBA finals. Do that. I mean, I like both moves, and Jason, you're right. I mean, this is an absolute Hail Mary throw to try to get Giannis to stay. I mean, if you want to talk about Hail Marys, going back to the Cardinals game, this is the Hail Mary that even Aaron Rodgers is proud of with the Bucks. Three <laughs> first-round picks for Drew Holiday. I mean, I like the player. I really do. But my God, three first-round picks. It's a bit much. It's it, a bit. <laughs> it's a lot of much. Yeah. I, mean, I like I like Drew Holiday. I think he's going to be a, a good addition. It's a third scoring option next to Giannis and Chris Middleton. You know, and he doesn't need to have the ball in his hands. He can make his own shot. He can just be a perimeter defender. And I think adding Bogdanovich is even it will improves them even more than just adding uh, Drew Holiday. Because think about it. What were we, what have we you guys specifically? You've been saying you know Giannis doesn't have to shoot the ball. Why does he try? Well, now you got a guy who can shoot the ball, a pure sharpshooter. Bogdanovich, nearly 40% from three. Be a great weapon off the bench. But like you say, Jason, I feel like this is only kind of improves you marginally. And I'm not sure if it really keeps them in contention to keep uh, Giannis after this year. I mean, I think the only thing that's going to do that is a championship. That's the only thing that will keep Giannis in Milwaukee. And if they don't win a title this year, he's gone. It's absolutely a championship or bust. You know, are they the favorites in the Eastern Conference now? No, especially when you consider what's possibly developing over in Brooklyn. I like the moves, but it's a lot to gain for something that might only get you so far. Real quick, Ben, before, before you go. Um, Andrew, as you were describing Drew Holiday, you described him as a guy who doesn't really need the ball in his hands. That's good in certain spots, but during the playoffs, they need a guy who needs the ball in his hands. Like you can't have Giannis at have ISO opportunities at the top of the key. You, that's the ceiling yep. Milwaukee faced. Like that's the that's the top of the top. They were banging their head against that ceiling right there. Like Giannis isn't an isolation guy. They need a guy, honestly, like a James Harden kind of that can kind of own those big moments. I know Ben, you're scrunchy. I don't like that fit either. But like that, <laughs> I don't know, like an ISO guy at the top of the key that can like stretch the floor, make plays, like. 
they're going to they're going to keep building walls around Giannis. That's not going to change with this move and I I it's okay. Oh, I agree. Like you know what I mean? Oh, I agree, but it's not I when I meant that is like he's not going to come in and try to disrupt the culture. Okay. He doesn't he doesn't come in and he doesn't ruin it, but how much does he really improve? But they need a closer. Is what I I'm agree. Saying. I okay. completely agree. I mean, Bogdanovich is now the best shooter on the team by far, but he's not you're not going to you only give it to him when you're having Giannis charge the net, right? And you kick it out like Jordan did to Steve Kerr, right? That's kind of what Bogdanovich is. But yeah, you're right. But Milwaukee still needs that true scoring threat next to Giannis. Chris Middleton's pretty good, but he's not exactly what they need. You saw it in that Heat series. And Ben, I know you, you know, we've been, Jason, I've been filling up a lot of this, but we'll get to you. Yeah, in jump in, Ben. Just a second. But Chris Middleton, you need a little bit more than just Chris Middleton. This is like just under it. You caught you you underthrew this Hail Mary pass. This is a Hail Mary. And this was a huge effort to keep Giannis to stay because right now this to me, this was the Bucks management saying to Giannis, Giannis, look how much we just gave up to get a good piece for you. We gave away you know, our future for the most part, three first round picks. We're in win now mode and we want you to be there for it. Now, Andrew, you say that they need a title to win. I don't think it's necessarily that. I think it's, you need to get to the finals. If you don't get to the finals, then we're going to, then the discussion is to be had. But I think if they get to the finals and they play well and they lose, Giannis still stays because you were that close. I mean, but and can you do that? Can they get to the finals? And I, I want to parlay this into the next. That's the ultimate. That's the ultimate question: Is can will Drew Holiday be the guy that kind of puts them over the top? Uh, maybe, but like I don't, I don't feel really confident about it. Drew Holiday is a good, good piece, but like you guys are saying, I mean. When the when the clock's running down and you need someone to take a shot, it's either Drew Holiday or Chris Middleton. I don't know about Giannis, obviously, because that's whatever. But I Give don't it know. To Pat Connaughton. Yeah. Hey, listen, Bogdanovich can shoot it, but and he can be clutch. He's hit game winners in the past, but I don't know. I I still think this was this was more of a strategic move to keep Giannis than it was to like, you know make the team better for the coming few. I mean, he's making the team better for for the next year, year or year, two years, three years, but not for like the far future. Quick question before we jump into the next topic. Who's done a better job of uh trading the last couple of years? New Orleans or OKC? Wow. OKC. OKC. I kind of disagree. I go with New Orleans. I mean OKC he's got definitely gotten the better overall haul. Right, seventeen first round picks in the next seven years. That's again crazy. But I think when you get a return similar to what you got for Anthony Davis for Drew Holiday, and you can sort of exploit other teams' desperations, I don't know. I'm leaning New Orleans on this. It's close. I ask me that question not in twenty twenty seven, but like ask it when like Right. Like you we're banking on potential here. Like that, that's a tough, like Pel- the Pelicans have substance. They have something to grasp onto. Uh, OKC is all potential right now. So, I mean, right now, honestly, New Orleans, I changed my tune on that. I know two seconds ago, I just said OKC. Um, but yeah, I mean, you have something to grasp onto in, with the uh, Thunder. 
All right. And, you know, Ben, you bring up that the Bucks need to at least make the finals. That's mm. going to be hard to do, especially with what might be developing over in Brooklyn. James Harden has asked to be traded from the, the Houston Rockets and has cited Brooklyn as his number one destination. How do you guys feel about Harden landing in Brooklyn? Would it work with him, Durant, and Kyrie Irving, or does one of them have to go? None of them are leaving. So, here's, so Andrew, I know you were saying that Kyrie should be in the package to get James Harden. I adamantly disagree because James Harden was, has already been working out in Los Angeles with Kyrie and Kevin Durant. So if you get rid of Kyrie, that's one of the two reasons he's going there, the other reason being Kevin Durant. And I think Kevin Durant, I mean, both him and Kyrie have been are definitely being vocal right now, saying like, "Hey, like, let's get James." And uh, I th- didn't you say he like his other option was the Knicks, but like he's not going to go to the Knicks. Um, but the Brooklyn Nets, do they get better? Uh, I my gut says yes, just because you're getting another you know top ten player, but. That's a lot of ball handlers on one team. Now, Kevin Durant has shown that he can kind of play off ball with Golden State, and he can be that guy who can defer the ball to someone else. But Kyrie and James Harden, those are ball-dominant guards. They need the ball to succeed. And I don't know how that's going to work. And also, they're not both of them aren't that great at defense. So, I mean, Kevin Durant has been – a better defender these past couple of years, but I mean, Harden and Kyrie, where is the defense? Where is it? I, I mean, t- to me, this team is going to be very offensively dominant. And then on the defensive side, it's going to be kind of like, eh, unless they, you know, figure it out. But I don't know. To me, this makes the, the this makes the nets a lot better, but they're still vulnerable. They're still vulnerable. They can still be beat. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I like the idea of Harden. I mean, I don't love the idea as a Celtics fan of Harden in Brooklyn. I That's the last thing I want to see because I would, would create a super team of super teams. But, you know, and I think adding James Harden to Kevin Durant, that might be the best scoring combination we have seen in a long time. That, that's like Magic Johnson, Kareem kind of level of scoring potential. Like, it's uh, that Ma- potent. Ma- Magic Johnson wasn't really scoring, but... I know what you mean. Right? Uh, And however, I I just really question how it would work with Kyrie in in the mix. All three guys, like you said, Ben, are ball dominant, you know? And yeah, Kevin Durant has the ability to play off ball, but you're not going to anger Kevin Durant. You're not going to upset him. He is your foundation. He is absolutely, without question, the alpha in that locker room. No? And I just, we know how much of a head case Kyrie is. We saw him freak out when he wasn't getting enough touches with the Celtics. We saw him leave the Cavaliers when he was paired with uh, LeBron James. He wasn't getting enough touches there. I just don't think Kyrie has the mental wherewithal to sort of stick around in a situation where he isn't the lead dog in the room. I think that's why you got to flip him to Houston, especially just, just for money purposes. Can, does Brooklyn have that many max slots? I have no idea. They're not going to get rid of Kyrie Irving. That's... I mean, I understand where you're coming from, but they wouldn't do that because that would just that's gonna that's gonna anger the guy that that you're bringing in. Like, what's the point if you're gonna bring him in? 
Make sure he's I just happy. Want, I don't, just get, don't, if, don't get rid of the guy, the one of the two guys that he's looking forward to playing with. I'm I'm just saying, like, is he really going there for Kyrie Irving? Is he going there more for Kevin Durant? Like, he's going there like, for both. He's going there to win or try I, to exactly. I think Hold he's on, going. Let, let me push back on your Kyrie to, er, to Houston thing. If you're Houston, right, you're already stuck with you know Russell Westbrook, who might be untradeable at this point based off his contract and injury history. You want to start a rebuild. You just traded Robert Covington. You got two first-round picks, which is pretty good for a guy like that. Let's start our rebuild with Kyrie Irving. Now, tell me what's wrong with that statement. <laughs> no, I agree with you. I don't like the move on Houston's end, but for Brooklyn to make the deal work, for no. it to work just for Brooklyn, I feel like Kyrie has to go. No. You have, you'd give up Spencer Dinwiddie, I think, who makes 11 exactly. mil. You'd give up Karis LeVert, who signed yep. the extension. You'd give up Jared Allen. You'd probably give up future picks. Yep. And it, it'd be, it'd be kind of similar to the Golden State thing in the fact that you have, you're, you're top loaded. You have three top max guys, and then you kind of fill the bench with, with minimum guys, with guys you just drafted, second round guys, uh, veterans who just want to ring, for, quite frankly. Um, so, yeah, they're not breaking up those two. I mean, and when you say Kevin Durant's the alpha in that locker room, I don't even think that's the case. I think Kyrie. <laughs> Thank you. I was going to get to this. I think yes. Kyrie thinks he's the alpha in that locker room. Okay. But Kevin, Kevin Durant is like, all right. They're there. Yeah, just good. No. Yes, good job. Oh, no. That's not his no. no. personality. Yeah. Ky- Kyrie listen. orchestrated this thing. Kyrie lured KD from Golden State. And he. I don't want to say he guilted him because I don't know the whole story. I wasn't in those conversations. Could you imagine if I was? I'd be breaking stories left and right. Um, but <laughs> um, Yeah, but Kyrie orchestrated this thing. He was the prize of last year's. Uh, there was a rumor came out. Stephen A. Smith might have said it. I, I forget who, but... Um, Kevin Durant didn't choose didn't choose Brooklyn. He chose Kyrie, and where exactly. Kyrie was gonna go, where KD was gonna go. So, and and what sense would that make? Let's bring let's bring in a ball dominant superstar who probably dribbles too much for a ball dominant superstar who probably dribbles too much. Like they're they're gonna try to just boom or bust this thing. And by the way, I don't want to let this go unnoticed. You notice the two spots James Harden wants to go, reportedly. I know he's trying to force his way to Brooklyn, but the second option was Philly, Daryl Morey in Philly, Mike D'Antoni in Brooklyn. I don't think that's a coincidence. Those are two guys yep. that, he's know, that he knows he's familiar with. So uh, they're going to try to you know, make this big three happen. Honestly, it'd be kind of fun to watch. It would provide us with a lot of content, that's for sure. Yeah, excellent, excellent point, Jason. And... <laughs> Yeah, I just want to kind of go off go off on a tangent here about the Kevin Durant thing because Andrew said that you're not going to upset Kevin Durant unless you unless you talk bad about him on Twitter and then he's going to come after you. He's gonna he's gonna say, "Oh, like I'm I'm the best" or whatever. But listen, that, that's just I have such a personal gripe with Kevin <laughs> come on, Durant. Man. Come hey, on. we differ on this. Wait, hold he's on. He's so immature. He's so immature. Ben. Can I ask you a question? Now, this is no. If you've been listening for the, to the show for a while now, um, Ben has a gripe against KD's rings in Golden State. If KD wins a ring in Brooklyn with with Kyrie and James Harden, are you going to have that same sentiment that he can't win without a super team? That that these rings aren't quote unquote real. I totally disagree with that. They're 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 real rings, but are you going to have a, a, a qualifier against that? Are you going to have an asterisk next to his rings like a lot of people do? The Warriors definitely have an asterisk next to it. The Brooklyn one, I don't know. I don't think okay. I would put an asterisk. Just because you joined a 73-9 and nine team, stop it. That, that's the beginning and the end right there. Soft. Anyway, not the point. I mean, do you then apply that to James Harden, though? What are the Nets right now? 
Uh, they're That's true. projected to be one of the great teams in the Eastern Conference. Projected. The they haven't been, though, in the past. Exactly. Uh, all right. Okay. Th- listen, we'll we'll like, see how it all turns out. I'm, I'm se- comfortable. 73-9, you were in the finals. You were in within one game of winning the title. And then you think, oh, like, uh, they, they definitely need me. They're, oh, they're not as good without me. Are you kidding? Stop it. Anyway. Kevin Durant's not the alpha in that locker room. Kyrie Irving is because Kevin Durant is, has been quoted multiple times saying that he just wants to hoop. In OKC, the alpha was Russell Westbrook. And then in Golden State, the alpha was Steph Curry. And now in Brooklyn, the alpha is Kyrie Irving. Kevin Durant has never been the alpha, and he never will be. I don't know. I, either way, I just really question how they would, the three of them would make it work. I have a hard time believing either Harden or Kyrie would take a step back for the other one. Yeah. You know? It could either be a team of the week or it could be or dumpster, dumpster fire. fire. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's boom or bust with this team for sure. That's true. That's right. And those were some major moves that came up yesterday. We're going to project, well, not project, just what are some moves that we want to see? If we're playing, I don't know, we're playing God a little bit. If we're playing NBA commissioner, where would we put players? What major moves would be coming next? What's the next Woj bomb coming up next on the final call? Final segment of this round of the final call. This segment is brought to you by the scoreboardtimes.com. Scoreboardtimes.com. Show your passion while you're here. Jason, we all know the NBA offseason is the best offseason of offseasons. But what's a potential move that you would like to see? We'll just throw it out there. What's something that you want to see happen this offseason that would just destroy Twitter? Oh, we're talking destroying Twitter. Well, obviously the James Harden thing would make our lives a lot better. It would be like 12 weeks of content right there. But I'm, I, I mainly approach this as complimentary moves that might sneak under the radar that I would like to see happen that could potentially make teams go further in the playoffs. Number one, I've been shouting this from the rooftop, Miles Turner to the Celtics, and I'm not going to go yes. into this one. Mobile center can shoot threes, block, uh, block shots. Not quite as defensively inclined as a, as a Clint Capella, uh, who a lot of Celtic people, uh, Celtic fans want. Um, I want to stay away from Clint Capella at all costs, but um, I like a guy who can stretch the floor, hit threes, a better version of Daniel Tice that is more, you know, tough down low. Um, so I'm not going to go into that one much. Then another one that I came up with was lemon pepper Lou as Ben calls him to <laughs> the Dallas Mavericks. Now, this one, I think, might be a, quite interesting to see unfold because Luca, you don't really want him falling into the James Harden thing where like everything has to run through him and they're solely dependent on him. Uh, I know they have Porzingis, but Luca's the primary ball handler. If you can give him a Lou Williams off the bench, play some sparing minutes, a veteran presence in that locker room, you guys can argue whether he's the best veteran presence in the locker room, but he can, he's been around the league he knows generally how to win so I, I think you know providing some more three-point shooting around Luca and um, some experience on that young Dallas roster um, although they need a perimeter defender as well Lou Williams might be a good fit there and another one and this one might be my favorite let me know what you guys think about this one Jeremy Grant to the Utah Jazz and that might just sound like a random player on a random team but no. the, the book on Utah has been Donovan Mitchell's great. Their defense is good. I like their culture. Rudy Gobert stands tall in the paint, but they need kind of that wing defender who can kind of guard one through five that can also hit some threes, um, but they need a wing athlete. 
Jeremy Grant can fit that 100%. Now, the price tag might be a little expensive for a guy like Grant, uh, who just declined $9 million, I believe it was. So he might be looking for 15 16 I don't know if I'd want to pay him that much, but just that fit in Utah um, to get them kind of that defender. I thought they should have gone after Andre Iguodala when he was available, but Grant can do a little bit more. He's he's more well-versed than Iggy at this point in his career. So a lot Jeremy younger. To Utah, yeah, and he can grow with that Utah team. So I like those three right there. Let me know what you guys think. I really like the Jeremy Grant move. I think that would be really good for Utah. And I like him on Denver. I kind of like Denver. I mean, they, they showed a lot yeah. of promise in these playoffs, and Jeremy Grant had a big part to do with that. But moving him to Utah, that would be interesting. Seeing him with Donovan Mitchell, I don't know. That, I kind of like that, Jason. I think you sold me on that one. Thank you. I don't have much to say about the Jeremy Grant move, but Lou Williams to the Mavs, sign me up for that. I like that one. Really? I think you're... I do. I mean, yeah, look, Lemon Pepper Lou, as you like to call him, Ben. I mean, that, that's, a gr- that's a great nickname, by the way. That's mm, hey, Chef's Kiss. Hey, chef's Kiss. He, he made it up, not me. I can't take all the credit. Still. Oh, well, fine. But I like it. I mean, yeah, you maybe want someone with a little bit better head on their shoulders to put next to Luka Doncic and such a young team in Dallas. But, you know, someone I feel like would step up, you know, Mark Cuban isn't exactly someone who is just going to let his franchise deteriorate or wither away because of one toxic presence. Uh, and I think if you want to add in another option, you don't want you want to prevent yourselves from becoming the next Houston Rockets. Good move. I like it. I just think with the Lou Williams thing, just make sure there are no gentlemen's clubs in the Dallas area. Oh, that's all. There are. There are plenty. Um, oh, yeah, well, they, hey, well, then <laughs> we'll. I don't know how I feel about it. Then we'll see. Can I pose another one real quick? Yes. And this is just one I thought of. I don't mean to, you know, absolutely deplete Denver, but Paul Millsap is a guy to look out for in this free agency because he's kind of older. He, I think he, he got his money in Denver. He got 30 million a year for a couple of years now. He's set on that front. So I think if he, if you can get him on five, six million a year, that could be a good touch and look out for this team in Paul Millsap, Golden State. If, if, if Paul Millsap goes to Golden State and, he can kind of play. He's better than David West was at the tail end of his career, but he can like that team was the youngest roster in the NBA by far. So if you can get a guy who, who's seeking a title, who can seek, you know, a prominent role, who can pass, who can rebound, who can defend, he kind of fits that Draymond green role. Um, but if you can get a guy that can do a lot of different things at that price, at that experience, at that stage in his career, that could be really beneficial, especially a guy who can spread the floor take some attention away from from Steph and Clay. That could be really good. Defensive-minded, too. I like Paul Millsap to Golden State. Hmm. That's a good one, too. Yeah, poor Denver, though, huh? I know, right? I'm, <laughs> I'm striking you guys out here today. Pretty good that, ones. That's, huh? that's, that's a good one. Paul Millsap I mean, I, to Golden State would be interesting. Jason, I completely agree with you about Miles Turner to the Celtics. I think that should be mm-hmm. number one guy on the Celtics list. Agreed. Number one guy. That's the first move you got to make, and you give up. Uh, you give up what you can for. I mean, you don't include Tatum or uh, Brown, but you have to include Smart. You do. You have to include Walker. No, uh, I don't want to go Walker for Walker for Turner. Yeah, no. no you give up. You give up Hayward and, and me Hayward. one other guy. Hayward. I'm giving Not up Walker. Hayward. Oh, so now we're okay with giving away Hayward. All right. For Miles Turner, <laughs> we've been saying this for a while. All right, okay, okay. That's where that's where I want to. I would most likely you're giving up Hayward for Turner plus a pick. 
As much that's, as okay. as much as Marcus Smart just eats at my my sanity with his uh, inconsistency from three point, he's he does it for the Celtics. I don't know how he just does. He's he's the the hungriest player on that team. He's, he's the, the most sandpaper. feisty player. He's Draymond, you need that guy. He's the pest, and we. we he's uh, Dennis Rodman. If, if we got rid of, if we got rid of Smart, I mean, first team all defense. If we got rid of Smart, that's that's huge. I, I'm keeping Smart. I'm keeping Walker. I'm obviously keeping Tatum and Brown. I'm I'm getting rid of Hayward because that's a huge right. contract. But there and goes. I'm getting in. I'm getting Miles Turner in return. Honestly, I have no, no. I was going to say get rid of Tice too, but if you could have him coming off the bench, maybe that's a little better. But yeah, like, I don't, I, I don't hate Tice, but like he's not a starting center in the NBA. No, he's not. Slim Shady. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Destroyed by Bam Adebayo in the playoffs. I think. Oh maybe. yeah. If you if you have Miles Turner on the Celtics right now, stand uh, better chance. Ex- absolutely. And there was some. If we're going to go off on the Celtics just for a little bit, I do have a, a an, an idea of my own. Uh. There was a tweet I saw this morning from one Robert Williams. It says, could have just told me what it was, but then he just responded. He just retweeted it about an hour ago. That was only song lyric. Oh, so, okay. I can translate this for you. He probably, <laughs> he probably got, he probably got done wrong by a girl or something. And he's in his feelings and he's tweeting out Drake lyrics or something. So. Well, that, that, my, could my very, point was, that could very easily be what it was. Maybe Indian app. Indiana wants another big man going back the other way, a younger one with some athleticism. How would you feel about including Robert Williams in a deal for Miles Turner? See, I like Williams. I do. I think he's a good rebounder. I think he's a great defender. And he can also kind of like run the pick and roll really well. So I, I like I like Williams. I uh, I mean, you're getting Miles Turner. I'd rather keep Williams uh, as that backup center than Tice, to be honest with you. Like, ooh, that's a good, that's a good idea. And, and Williams is kind of like a—he doesn't play very many minutes in bulk. Like, he won't be on the court for like six minutes at a time. Like, he'll be on the court right. for like three minutes, give him that energy push. Like, I like Robert Williams. He really defensively oriented. Uh, doesn't really do much on the offensive end outside of um, outside of just dunks at the rim. But I—I I don't know. I like Robert Williams. I—I I don't know. I'm more on the Robert Williams train than I am the Tice train. Agreed. Me too. Yeah, I, I'd say if you got to choose to give up one, you're giving up Tice before you're giving up Williams. But mm-hmm. I, don't, I feel like that doesn't get the deal done. I mean, hopefully it's only Hayward that it takes. And that's what I'm hoping. But I, I would love to see Miles Turner in the Celtics I mean, uniform. They've been, I said at the beginning of last year, like when we did our whole NBA preview segment, that the Celtics needed a big man. The, the Eastern Conference is going to be determined by size. The best team down low and the most physical team is going to come out of that conference. Uh, and now, did that exactly happen with the Heat? No, but Bam Adebayo is a great example of it. Mm-hmm. But the, the, a move that I would really like to see does involve the Golden State Warriors. I want to see them move the number two pick to Washington. I want Bradley Beal in Golden State. Ooh, I like that. That'd be cool. You know, uh, they don't. Golden State has scoring ability already, but what are they going to do with the number two pick? Right, you're going to let that number two pick kind of sit behind Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. I mean, maybe you're getting James Wiseman, right? Like that sort of fits. But I don't know. I, I feel like with what's available at the top of this draft, Washington can do better with it. You're getting, you're sending Bradley Beal back. That's a third option in Golden State. That fits better to me than 
drafting some young guy and letting him try to sit and develop behind Steph Curry, although that could be beneficial too because you can sort of have that next wave coming up right behind them. It's, it's, it's a good fit in theory. The problem is Washington has John Wall coming back this year fully healthy, and they want to see what they have there um, before they break it up. And uh, I heard another rumor about Bradley Beal. I think this was a couple weeks back. Denver was reportedly interested in Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal is one of those like guys that, that um, he can kind of play anywhere, to be honest. Like, he's a scorer, but he doesn't dominate the ball. Like, he, he's a good fit anywhere. And I think Golden State would be a perfect opportunity, not only for him, but for the Warriors who kind of need some more layering there. Um, but yeah, I don't think Washington will pull the plug on a Beal trade this, this offseason, although I wish they would, honestly, because I don't know the ceiling on a Washington team who doesn't really know what they have with John Wall. But they, I think they want to give it a go. But Yeah, I definitely want... That would, that would be interesting to see Beal goes to the Warriors. That would, that would be actually very interesting. I was kind of lobbying for... Before Drew Holiday got traded to the Bucks, I was kind of lobbying for Beal to go to the Bucks. I thought that would be a good fit because, I mean, you know, he's got the he's got the athleticism. He can score really well. He's kind of that guy that we were talking about how he can have the ball in his hands and kind of dictate the offense that way. Um, but I think if you put him in Golden State, he doesn't need to do that. He can be the off-ball guy who can just get the perfect passes from Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and all those all those guys. I I am like Jason, you kinda sold me on the uh on the Golden or wait no, Andrew, you sold me on the Golden State thing with Beal, right? Yeah. So that was that that's a very good I think that's a really good fit. But I do understand the logistics of having John Wall come back and you know, all that. Yeah, I understand what they have to say. I don't know. It feels like for Washington, like this is sort of run its course. Like, yeah, you got yeah. John Wall coming back, but like, with look at the rest of the East surrounding you. Are you better than Boston? Are you better than Philadelphia? Are you better than Brooklyn? Are you better than Milwaukee, Miami, Toronto? No, you're going to be a middle of the pack team. You might be better than Indy. You might be better than Detroit, but you're in that sort of tier. You're Charlotte. You're you know, you're, they're not a great team. And, and to, to try to test it out, I mean, fine. Maybe, you know, those two guys play well, right? And you get more value. But I don't know. It just doesn't seem to be – the long-term future <clears throat> for Washington just doesn't seem to be there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they did spend so much money on those two, so they might as well <laughs> yeah. see what they have, I guess. Um, right, like maximize the value but, for it. But, but still, I know what you mean. They, there's definitely a ceiling there. Ben, did you have any um, target? I, when building trades, it's really hard to like, it's easier to trade guys like Bradley Beal and, and Jeremy Grant who can kind of fit seamlessly in wherever they go. It's hard to like pitch like James Harden to the Nets, so to speak. Well, so, if we're going to talk right. about James Harden, I mean, I would much rather him go and see him because I think he fits way better with Philadelphia. How do you guys feel? I mean, would you do you think he's better um, in Philly? Do you think he's better in Brooklyn? I think a trade between Houston and uh, Philadelphia would work better. I think that he would fit better in Philadelphia. I mean, but what do you guys think? I want him in Brooklyn. You want I him in Brooklyn? That, I want to see how that turns out. I mean, just for an entertainment purpose. That plus, you know. They could be one of the great teams. Ben and I are very different on this front. Like Ben is totally opposed to super teams. I'm totally for him. I, I love him. You know, 
wouldn't it be a great story if like they built this whole team up that Brooklyn getting together, they're going to win the title. And then all of a sudden they lose to LeBron in five. And then <laughs> that would be a great story. Like, I don't know. <laughs> like it would, but I mean, I think for entertainment factor, I would want to see as many teams in a, in a position to win as possible. I think that's what was so Agreed. great about last year. And then you get a Miami finals and then it's like, well, you know, Jimmy's not a big time star. Like it, weren't the finals great when you had Steph, KD, right? Yeah, but, but, when that that into, yeah, but when that turns into every year, that's the narrative. Like, there's there's no reason to watch it's the regular dumb. season. And we all knew that the Warriors are going to roll them anyway. So it was okay. like, you guys can have Kelly Olynyk starting for for one of the finals teams. I love Kevin Durant. Uh, let's see how that works out. Listen, hey, the were the playoffs in the bubble not entertaining? They were. Are you not entertained, like, Mr. Snow? <laughs> they were entertaining. It's just. Ah. I don't know. I, I, you know, the big names on the big time stage is, is really cool. But oh, what was I going to say? Oh, I was going to make this, cool, this analogy, which is re- probably really bad until I say it. You guys can serve me you know, a $50 steak every single year. You know, great is great. I'll take great every year. It's fine by me. $50 steak? You're overpaying I, for your steak, Jason. Hey, it's I mean, great. It's great. I love a $50 <laughs> steak too, but that doesn't mean I want to eat garbage every other day of the year either. The regular season is not going to be great regardless. No, I know. But, like, I, I think what Andrew's saying is, like, the playoffs are a wash. Like, with the Warriors, the playoffs were a wash. It was like, okay, they're guaranteed finals appearances. So, it's like, what's the point of watching the playoffs? Like, yeah, the finals are going to be interesting, maybe. But they're going to get they're Right, but I, I don't want to spend October through May just kind of waiting for that to happen. I want to be like, well, right. Yeah, I don't know. I... I just think it'd be fun to watch. I had so it's, much yeah. fun watching like Steph throw lobs to KD. Like I don't know, it was kind of fun. I don't know. I didn't. I was like, cool. They're they're nasty because he he joined a seventy three and nine team. It was like that's what I expected. Like the second he joined them, I was like, yep, Steph's gonna be throwing lobs to KD. He's gonna be hitting KD wide open on the three point line. He's gonna be hitting Clay. Like everything that happened, I expected to happen, which is why I hated it. I like being surprised. <laughs> Is that what you like, Ben? Oh, my God. Oh, boy. <laughs> and, and that's about all the time we have like... for the final call. As always, you can listen to us in podcast form wherever you get your podcasts, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you're interested in doing some reading, make sure you check out newenglandsportsunited.com and thescoreboardtimes.com. As always, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at FinalCallMCC. For Ben Mamrys, for Jason Snow, I'm Andrew Fantuccio. This has been the final call on Radio Massasoit. There must be some kind of way out of here Say the joker to the thief There's too much confusion